Welcome to Under the Shell, presented by Terrapin Sports Central. On today's episode, we'll be highlighting the Maryland vs. Penn State football game with an interview from Dustin Hawkinsmith and previewing the upcoming games for this week. I'm Brendan Weissel, joined by... Sam Jane. Michael Big Mike House. And this is Under the Shell. Well, hopefully you noticed, or unfortunately you may have noticed, that we are not being joined by Cabot Ireland today. Uh, right now he's currently... Uh, but he's under the weather. He's day-to-day. Um, but and, uh, he's not today. You're looking at doubtful, in my mm-hmm. opinion. And um, frankly, it's it's a lack of commitment um, from the sickness. It's it's, it's unfortunate. Uh, we wish him our best. But to kind of continue the odd theme, you know, usually we're going under the shell today. A little bit of a look outside the shell. Tell us what we got. Ooh. Tell us what we got. <laughs> that was clever. Yeah. So um, we had the fortune of bringing on Dustin Hawkinsmith, who's a sports reporter for Penn Live. Um, which is a uh, publication with 142,000 followers on Twitter, um, one of Pennsylvania's biggest newspapers. Um, he covers Penn State football, um, recruiting, uh, basketball, uh, among other things. And uh, we were lucky enough to bring him on to kind of give us a outsider perspective of the Penn State-Maryland game this week and a look at Maryland football as a whole from the outside. We all kind of live in a bubble here in College Park. Um, so being able to know what outsiders think of the Terps is something that we want to get a perspective. So, uh, yeah, um, Dustin, uh, Brendan, and me, take it away. All right, Dustin. So, obviously, a big matchup um, heading into the weekend as Penn State takes on Maryland in Happy Valley. Terps coming off a tough loss to Wisconsin in which the offense basically disappeared. Um, but tell us a little bit about Penn State. Um, I know two tough losses to top two Big Ten teams, obviously, in Ohio State and Michigan. Um, and, you know, Sean Clifford, Drew Aller, kind of the, the storyline here late in the season. But what have you seen from the Nittany Lions um, in recent weeks? Well, I think maybe uh, the last three games have been pretty good for them. So the whiteout game against Minnesota at home, that was 45-17. Minnesota was out was without Tanner Morgan. So um, not their best uh, performance. Their, their quarterback position didn't pose a threat. So uh, that helped. Ohio State, they're leading that game in the, in the fourth quarter. That's probably the third or fourth time in the last six or seven years that they've led Ohio State in the fourth quarter and lost. Uh, And then last week against Indiana, a pretty complete performance, too. And I think you're seeing the team come into its own a little bit and find its rhythm and find its identity on offense. It's a a really good pressure defense. Uh, They've established the run game, which they hadn't done the previous two years with the two freshmen, Katron Allen and Nick Singleton. I don't think the quarterback storyline is going to be much of a storyline um this is still sean clifford's team Uh, a lot of fans are antsy to see drew aller who looks fantastic uh in in small doses but sean clifford's going to start this game and unless something crazy happens and it gets out of control we're probably not going to see drew aller much if at all but um he he looks like he's definitely a guy to know uh for 2023 and beyond though that running attack that you talked about katron allen um left tackle olu uh, Fashani, I, I might be mispronouncing that last name, um, but obviously they're starting to pave the way here for um, Penn State. What have you seen from the rushing attack that can um, lead credence to them having success on Saturday? Well, you, you bring up a good point with Olu Fashani, the left tackle. He's getting a lot of love in NFL draft circles now and, yeah. and projects pretty highly there, but he did not play last week uh, because of an injury he suffered against Ohio State. Uh, he was called week to week by James Franklin um, a couple days ago. So there's a pretty decent chance that you don't see Olu Fashanu in this game. Um, but, you know, and Landon Tangwall, their left guard, is also out for the season. So the left side of that offensive line is definitely one worth watching, especially in the run game, uh, trying to create some openings and trying, to obviously, to protect Sean Clifford's blind side. Uh, but with the run game, Katron Allen and Nick Singleton are the one-two guys uh, there. You, you saw um, before the season began, they had a, a scholarship running back transfer named Keziah Holmes. And uh, in season, uh, Devin Ford, who was a, f- a high four-star, five-star back in the day, um, opted to exit the program too. So they're down to three running backs, and their third running back um, hasn't been healthy. So it really is Katron Allen and Nick Singleton. You'll probably see Katron Allen start this game. I, I like to think that he's a better inside the tackles runner, really good vision, really good cutback guy, doesn't have a, a lot of long speed. So you saw him average almost five yards a carry last week with a long carry of 12 yards. So he gets a little something every single time. You're probably not seeing him as the home run threat. That's Nick Singleton's job. So you'll see Katron Allen start the game. I would expect to see, 
you know, a good bit of both of these guys. Um, 15 carries plus a piece. Uh, I think they're both the real deal. And in conjunction, they work really well together. Uh, but we'll see with that offensive line. They performed pretty well shorthanded last week at Indiana. They're going to have to do the same thing again here against Maryland. Uh, yeah, so obviously, um, you know, we look at Maryland football a good bit, but to kind of get your outside perspective on it, um, what do you think that Penn State will try to do this weekend to get the win against Maryland and, uh, and attack those weaknesses? Yeah, I mean, I, on paper, you know, Maryland doesn't have a, a ton of weaknesses. They their, their stat profile is very much like Penn State, where they do a pretty good job in, in all areas. Um, you know, I think it's going to really come down to defensively, you're going to have to pressure uh, Taluya uh, Tungavailoa. You're going to have to make him uncomfortable. You're going to have to make him try to see some ghosts because if he's comfortable and in rhythm and he gets hot, you know, he is among the better quarterbacks that, that Penn State will see. So I think it's just about making sure that your pass rush is there. Um, they do it in all kinds of different ways. I think a lot of times you see the the, the front get pressure. Chopper Robinson, who you should be familiar with um, coming from Maryland, uh, has done a really good job. Adisa Isaac, who was hurt all of 2021, has been really good on on, on the defensive end uh, front. Denied Dennis Sutton, who's a Maryland uh, native, um, as well. He's been really good. So I think the pass rush has been good. And they, Manny Diaz, the first year defensive coordinator has done a good job of dialing up pressure in funky ways with defensive backs, cornerbacks off the edge stunts, things up the middle. So I think it's just going to be all about making uh tongue of ILO uncomfortable on defense. And then on, on offense, I just think it's uh, probably comes down to not shooting yourself in the foot. I think they're going to do what they do on offense and try to be balanced. They're going to try to um, stay ahead of the change, which they've done a better job of recently with the running game. And for Sean Clifford to not throw the back breaking interception that he's thrown on a few occasions this year. I think if you take care of the ball um, and, and you kind of, uh, you, you get pressure. Um, they've done a really good job stopping the run. They're really, really good on the back end of the defense in coverage. So I think just the the formula that got them here, um, I think should be good enough to, to win this game without uh, making a ton of mistakes. Yeah, you talked about that back end and, and coverage. Kalen King, Joey, Joey Porter Jr. is a first rounder, in my opinion. Um, really good length and at the corner position. I know Dane Brugler, who works at the Athletic as an NFL draft expert, has him pretty high up there. How do you think they does Penn State like to leave them on an island because Maryland if there is that the big strength that we kind of know for Maryland it's the weapons Corey Deitch's tight end obviously but Rakim Jarrett um, Jacob Copeland from Florida you got Dante Demas uh, Jay Sean Jones these are all guys who um, maybe haven't had the production that Maryland fans looked for at the beginning of the year but are still all very good supporting cast for Talia um, how do you see Manny Diaz game plan to stop those guys especially if Jarrett plays which Mike Loxley called him questionable. Um, but if I had to guess, I would expect him to go. This is going to be talent on talent. And I think that that Penn State has gotten to this point leaning on its defensive backfield to do its job and hold up in coverage. And they've done it a lot of times. And that includes, you know, outside of Marvin Harrison Jr., who's, you know, a freak show for Ohio State. Um, that includes that game. Uh, so I would expect them to, to be on an island. I would expect them to be in a lot of man coverage. And I would expect them to um, to to rely on those on those cornerbacks to get the job done. And it's, you know, Maryland's got some talented guys, as you, as you point out there. Penn State's got some talented guys, too. And they run pretty deep. You know, I think Penn State, uh, obviously the two you mentioned, Kalen King and Joey Porter Jr. are, are the class of, of this cornerbacks room. But Johnny Dixon, who transferred from South Carolina last year, has had a really good year. He actually, he's tied for the team lead in sacks, believe it or not, too. Um, and they've got Marquise Wilson, who, who has played a lot of football um, at Penn State. Um, so, and at safety, you know, Jair Brown is probably their best overall defensive playmaker. He's probably, I don't know if he's a first rounder, but he's probably a high day two guy. Um, he's capable of making a lot of different plays um, as well. So they've got a lot of bodies on the back end. They are, I think, going to trust them to, to hold up one-on-one. -on -one. And one thing that's interesting, I don't know if it's a factor in this game or not, but uh, when you do that, and if you get a little undisciplined in the pass rush, they, there does it does create some opportunities uh, for the quarterback to scramble and run a bit. So I would keep an eye on that early in the game. Uh, even early against Indiana, Jack Tuttle, you know, on their first scoring drive was able to, to do that because, you know, the, the cornerbacks are are locked on in, in coverage. If there's a, an opening up front, uh, the cornerback, the quarterback should have some room to run. 
Um, so as many uh, Maryland fans know, uh, Maryland Penn State, uh, pretty classic rivalry. Um, like the joke uh, is like you know Maryland has has lost forty one games um, and uh, won three of them, and so that's like kind of a common narrative. So what do you think like uh, historically makes it so hard for Maryland um, to beat Penn State uh, and to go into um, to go play Penn State away and win games and and do we think that or do you think that there's anything that would happen this year that would change that or do you think it would kind of be the same old narrative where Maryland kind of has no chance? I, I mean, I give I give Maryland a chance just because you, you know you you've got some weapons, uh, you've got a pretty solid running game, you've got a quarterback who's played a bunch, you've got a quarterback who's got a win over Penn State under his belt. Um, you know, I, I think what it boils down to a lot of times is that that Penn State has an advantage in talent, you know, overall roster talent and has more margin for error and can afford uh, to not be perfect, can afford a mistake or two. You know, I think Maryland, anytime you're at a talent deficit in a game and you, you guys know that Mike Loxley has done a fantastic job of building the overall depth and talent out on that roster. I just think it's still Penn state has an edge in, in a lot of those areas. So I think that's what it has come down to. It's, you know, Maryland has been competitive. Sometimes they've been not as competitive as I thought they would be. Sometimes looking at um, the what was it was it a Friday night game that that classes were canceled a, a few years ago and and Penn State was an underdog on the road and beat them by fifty nine you know I think there there there's been a weird series um, history you know Penn State obviously going back eighties uh, nineties and into that you know classic era of Joe Paterno uh, has built the advantage in this series on that. Uh, but I think Penn State is just in a better place when it comes to roster talent and uh, and things like that. It's just, you know, Penn State, I would say, is in the same position as Ohio State, where you can give them a game effort. But in the end, you've got to be pretty perfect if you don't have as much talent as the other team does. Yeah, Loxley, obviously, you said it, trying to build that talent here from an outsider's perspective. Um, there, There's outside perspective on James Franklin, as I'm sure you know. What are your thoughts on Loxley and where you see the Maryland program, you know, in the hierarchy of the Big Ten and where can you see them going, you know, in terms of um, what Loxley can do here at College Park, kind of from a, um, you know, non-Maryland view? Yeah, well, uh, interestingly enough, my I went to Penn State um, and graduated in 2004. My first job was at the University of Maryland. I worked with the football team and James Franklin was an assistant on that staff, Bill O'Brien, who was the coach before uh, James Franklin was on that staff. So I'm pretty, I, I got familiar pretty early with both of these teams. Um, I, you know, I, I think with Mike Loxley, uh, he's done a really good job of, uh, of building that talent base up. Um, I think, you know, I think just looking for consistency week in week out um, from one drive to the next, you know, I think, uh, they're they're near the the nation's worst in penalties. So you know, just making sure that you're playing with discipline and you're playing with consistency. And I, I think without question, you've got players now. When you've got players, you've got a chance. And uh, I think that's where they're at. And you know, they're in the midst of a six and three season that that could be something you know kind of special if you can win this game. So I, I don't know that there's going to be any sudden turn the corner moment for for Maryland, but. I think it's kind of crazy if you're a coach in the Big Ten and you don't view Maryland as a legitimate a legitimate threat because they've got players now. And I think for the most part, they're pretty well coached. I just want to see them, you know, be more consistent and and uh, and, and make better use of that talent, uh, you know, from from one week to the next. But I, I think on a on a one game basis, you know, you you kind of. You know, like last week, you see the worst of them. What are you going to see this week? And I think until you're able to answer that question and get to a place where you're going to see a pretty reliable product from one week to the next, they're going to be kind of stuck where they are, which is, you know, you're hoping for an eight-win season maybe, but not really a realistic shot shot to do a lot more than that. Yeah, I absolutely agree with you. You know, when Maryland has played at their best, um, I think like most people would say the Michigan game, uh, there's been sparks of that and there's, you know, been some, some very strong hope for Maryland fans, but um, the inconsistencies is, is definitely kind of where it lies. Um, so Dustin, uh, we very much appreciate you coming on, but uh, we must get a, a quick a quick uh, score prediction from you for the upcoming game this weekend. I think um, Penn State's going to score points. You know, I, I think uh, they, they've been able to do that against most teams, score 30-plus against most teams they've seen. Um, I, I, I'm dubious in assuming anything, uh, about Maryland because they it, last week was really, really rough on the road. Now they go back on the road 
but I'm not expecting their their the best Maryland team to show up. And I do think that Maryland's strengths play into Penn State's strengths um, more this year than than they have in years past. I have a prediction of 38 to 24. I try to make a prediction where uh, one team covers by at least a few points, and the the point spread from last I saw was around 10. So I've got Mar- I've got Penn State winning by a couple touchdowns, and I do have some points being scored uh, in this game. So we'll see what happens. But I I think Penn State's going to win and cover. Um, but if they're able to rebound from last week and get back on track, uh, Maryland, uh, is a threat to win the game. I a hundred percent believe that, but they're going to have to play a lot better. And I just don't see that happening. Yeah. That's a thousand percent true. If it's anything like, uh, like the way the turf's played against Wisconsin, it, it could get ugly real fast, but Dustin, we appreciate you coming on, giving us some great insight into the Penn state program and, and your thoughts on the game this weekend. Uh, enjoy your time at happy Valley on Saturday. Yeah, thanks for having me, guys, and you guys do the same. Thank you very much. Have a good one. Yeah, Sam. I just I thought the outside perspective was needed, right? You and I, we can talk about Maryland athletics or Maryland football for for a while because we watch every game. Um, but giving you know, getting Dustin's perspective and hearing kind of what Maryland football is like and how the outsider's perspective I thought was interesting. He mentioned many times that Maryland has a lot of talent, and I think that. We all recognize that, but I think as you cover the team closer, you can see that maybe that's not as true as you think. Uh, Sam, I just want to hear what you thought about that. Yeah, I think that Maryland has, and um, this is something that Loxley's talked about, is they have a lot of premier talent, right? So they're pulling in a lot of the skill position guys, where Kim Jarrett was a five-star from Maryland. You get Jacob Copeland, a highly recruited transfer. You know, Talvia, transfer from Alabama. Um, but it's really now that they're starting to build up those um, guys in the trenches that'll allow you to compete in the Big Ten, right? The Michigans, the Ohio States, not only are they bringing in studs of receivers like Marvin Harrison Jr., you know, Jackson Smith and Jigba, um, Andrell Anthony at Michigan, but they're also recruiting some of the best offensive line and defensive line in the country. Maryland hasn't had an offensive lineman picked in the top two rounds, and um, I think, ever. Um, and those skill position guys, at least in a while. Yeah, they have had. So, I mean, you got DJ Moore, obviously Diggs. Those are all guys that are premier NFL talents at the skill positions, but it's really building those, um, the trenches, uh, that I think will allow for Maryland to compete. So I think when you talk about talent, that's maybe where Maryland is lacking is, is the depth of talent. Penn state can have one injury and we're going to talk about this week, um, to a guy who's probably going to go in the first round of the NFL draft will go in the first round of the NFL draft and they just replace him with a four star on the other hand for Maryland that's not possible that's exactly what I was going to say I was talking about this uh, when Cav and I were watching in a room watching the Wisconsin game um, and we alluded to it as well after the Northwestern game is that Maryland's starting lineup it's pretty strong and we can recognize that but when they have to go to some backups that's where you really notice that other teams other elite teams the gap between their starter and their second guy is much smaller than at Maryland. Yeah, definitely. And Penn State's one of those schools, Mike, who, you know, they have some injuries this week, but it seems like they might be able to replace them. Um, But it does open up some doors for Maryland. To go back to your theme of the trenches, I think Maryland's pass rush is the key here this week. Um, Penn State's going to be out some starters on their offensive line. Last week against Indiana, they were out three of their five offensive line starters. This week, their starting guard, Landon Tangwell, he's already going to be out um, for the game. Their left tackle is also questionable. Mm -hmm. Their starting right tackle, he's going to be back, but it's going to be his first game back in about a month. So is he going to be rusty? So I think if Maryland's pass rush is able to get to them, especially defensive lineman Greg China Rose, uh, he's tied for fifth in the Big Ten with four solo sacks. So if they're able to get pressure on that um, offensive line, that's a little patched up right now it should make the game close yeah dustin talked about you talked about their starting left tackle that's olu fashono um might be mispronouncing that last name but uh, according to dane brugler who's considered to be one of the top um, nfl draft minds he's over at the athletic Mm -hmm. fashuno is in the top five um and pretty clearly in the top 10 he says of a lot of nfl teams draft boards guys just 19 um but he is really emerging as the top left tackle in this year's class uh, Dustin seemed a little pessimistic that he could go this week, so it'll be interesting to see what type of um, impact that'll have uh, on the team this um, the team this weekend, Mike. 
I also think uh, Talia's performance is pretty big. We've seen in years past uh, when Maryland plays a highly ranked opponent or just a ranked opponent, competitive opponent in general, Talia may throw some duds. He had a dud last week against Wisconsin. Maryland's going to need Talia to play like he had been earlier this season. You know, the performance against Michigan, mm-hmm. sure, he threw a couple interceptions, but overall that was a strong performance from Which Talia. Which I'm pretty sure hit the ground. <laughs> I mean <laughs> – we're not here to talk about their refs. No, we're not. I feel the same way, but yeah, definitely. And contributing to maybe uh, Tully as woes um, this week, Brendan is Joey Porter, Kalen King, Jameer Brown. They're all going to be NFL draft picks in the Penn State secondary. Those two corners, King and Porter, Porter especially. A lot of talk has been around the Maryland receivers, right? We hyped them up in the absolutely um, in the preseason, but they haven't really like delivered. Rakim Jarrett has kind of had a disappointing season in my eyes. What do you think? In terms of that matchup, you know, um, Dustin talked a lot about how they're just going to yeah. leave him on an island. This is a huge test for the Maryland receivers. And the Porter-Jarrett matchup, NFL scouts will be watching. So this is something I've always kind of, when I've looked at football and looked at the cornerback wide receiver, you know, matchups in general. And the one thing I've always really said, in my, my opinion, is that a really great cornerback can take over a game more than a really great wide receiver. Hmm, that's interesting. And the reason I say that uh, is because if – as a corner, you can allow the best wide receiver, the best offensive weapon to no points. Like, it goes with the, along with the theme, defense wins championships, right? And I think that this is going to pose a very big challenge for Maryland because of the wide receiver, like we said, hyped him up, but really they haven't been where we thought they could be, where their ranking was, I really wouldn't say is correct for wide receiver rooms in the country. And so now probably going up against t- one of the top secondaries in the, the Big Ten. The best secondary they've played to date, for sure. Mm-hmm. And it'll it's, be interesting. It's going to be tough, and I think that you're going to see Maryland struggle for sure. Yeah, to move the ball um, I think is going to be a tough task. They're going to have to get Hemby going. But there is hope. Um, Mike talked about that uh, offensive line being out. Just a stat to leave you off um, before we move on to other sports. is We can do some quick picks going along with Dustin's as well. Yeah, Penn State 175th in the country in third down efficiency. If Maryland's pass rush can get after it. It's not very efficient. Yeah, if Maryland's pass rush can get after it. Um, it's going to be scary, Valley, down there for the Nittany Ooh. Lions. More like deficiency. Ooh. And so, yeah, I, I, it'll be interesting. We can give our picks in the, in the picks of the week segment. But I think that this game – is either going to go one of two ways, and and we'll obviously in terms of win or loss, but um, it's either going to be really tight or it's going to be a Penn State blowout. So uh, I'll I'll give my opinion later, but um, we'll see how see how this one goes this weekend. I can start us off. So uh, half the podcast, uh, Sam and I will be uh, in attendance at the Penn State game. Um, we know we're looking for a great fun game for both sides. Uh, and uh, I had somebody tell me today that. Um, Penn State is like a cult, actually. You drive th- through trees for like two miles, and then it's just there. It's like you're walking up upon. Maybe we'll get some coverage, some hit, live, some live video. City. Uh, Hopefully, you guys are back next week to record the pod. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin McNulty, uh, would you like a live package segment of us driving through the woods? <laughs> he might like that. Yeah. So anyway, Brendan, but, we will so, be in attendance, and it will be a very cool atmosphere. We I'm know excited for to sure. be in that. Yeah, no, I'm for super sure. excited also to spend a weekend with my boy but mostly because absolutely i'm excited to see what the environment's like down there and that'll play a role so brennan what do you think so without further weekend? ado i think maryland keeps it closer than people think but really not that close because in my mind keeping it close against penn state you know, 15 points that's pretty close um but grand scheme of things that's pretty much a blowout so i think uh final score maryland 10 penn state 24 no, that's interesting. So Penn State covers in your mind. Yeah. The, part of the reason I say this is because it's going to be freezing. Yeah, it is going to be cold. And raining, possibly. Well, it's going to be cold. Stop, bro. Don't speak that into existence. I, we don't want rain. To play Maryland fans advocate. do not want rain. No, no, no. It's not even Maryland fans. I just don't that's want true, to That's true. That's true. To play devil's advocate, that sounds like a running the ball game. That seems like the weather's like that. Hemby's going to have a big game. Did you watch last week's game against happen. Wisconsin when you know it's horrible you weather? I mean, Mike. Anything that happened at Camp Randall Stadium last week? It's not a visual podcast, but Mike looks very frustrated. <laughs> uh, I was going to pick Penn State 24, Maryland 17. We can move on to Sam. We <laughs> <laughs> can move on. He has uh, no words. Uh, yeah. I, I, I. So Dustin asked me to give a pick earlier in the week, right, from the Maryland perspective. Yep. And I put it way closer um, than I think a lot of people well, are. you got to stay with your pick, though. But I don't actually. <laughs> but he does. I've been I've been thinking about this all week. Cheating. And I, the big the big change for me is I was thinking 
Well, you know, um, Penn State's rushing defense has struggled this year, right, Mike? You talked about mm-hmm. that earlier earlier in podcast when you took Penn State versus Minnesota, which mm-hmm. I told you – or Minnesota versus Penn State, which I told you right. was a mistake, and it was. But um, we all saw, you know, what happened against Michigan. But I don't necessarily think that's an indictment of Penn State's rushing defense. I think Michigan's just a great rushing offense. Mm-hmm. And so then if Hemby's not going, it's going to put Tully in a lot of third and long situations where Chop Robinson, Maryland transfer – and that secondary, I just don't see the Maryland receivers getting open as much as um, you would hope if you were a uh, Loxley and, and company. Mm-hmm. So I have, and I think um, Penn State's offense is a little underrated. So I have Penn State um, 34, and I'm going to take Maryland at 17. So I don't think it's going like to be particularly I like that. close. I like that. But um, it'll be a cool atmosphere either way. I do want to point out we've been talking about Maryland's receiving corps, but nobody has talked about Corey Deitches, yeah, yeah, who Corey, is their leading Corey. receiver right now, the that's, tight end, which no one would have expected coming into this. Yeah, right, exactly. I, that's who I put is when um, Dustin asked me for a player to watch, especially with Jarrett getting shadowed by Porter. I think Deitches could that's have true. a huge game because Penn State's linebackers are certified bad. Right. So that'll be a really interesting. <laughs> if they're thing able to, to attack that middle bad. part of the yeah, field of Deitches, it's a great point. Mm-hmm. That's the road to and, success. Uh, and CJ, yeah. Yep, CJ Drippy. I think it's the pre actually. <laughs> uh, yeah, play on words there. But I, Mike, that's a great point to leave the audience with. So that is some an avenue for the Terps. I think is attacking the middle of the defense. Um, another defense that was attacked um, was the men's basketball team. As uh, frankly, Maryland is the hardwood, if you will. Maryland is propping the the social team is saying that they had did not allow one three-point make. The only team in the country... Niagara might not get a three-point all season. I, I don't think <laughs> Niagara's going to be hitting a lot of threes this year. Like, are they supposed to be some sort of, like, three-point I mean, underdog weapon we don't know the, about? The social media uh, guy must have thought that they were the 2017 Warriors <laughs> yeah. because he was propping that phrase. But I Kevin, mean, that, that graphic was beautiful. Kevin Willard and company did get the win. And, um, Mike, tell us a little bit about what you saw in that in that win uh, against Niagara. It was definitely not a waterfall from oh, three for Niagara. Oh, my God. We can end the podcast right here. Um, I got to say, first thing that pointed out to me was just Donta Scott stepping into that senior leadership role that we expected for him earlier in the season. I mean, uh, preseason uh, he led the team with 18 points he was efficient seven for 13 from the field and four and five behind the arc um, I also got to talk about Jameer Young I remember we talked about who's going to fill the shoes of Fats Russell and Eric Ayala and I mean it seems like Jameer Young in his first game um, with the Terps of course there's more games to go so the culture and the team bonding will build but um, he finished with 14 points and seven boards and then the other thing I would talk about is Julian Reese. Um, obviously, we know last year. Non-existent. He had foul trouble last year. He finished the game with three fouls. Um, only seven points and seven boards. Got expect him to be more active on the offensive side of the ball um, for the Terps going forward this season. But overall, I think it was a strong start to the Willard era. Maryland basketball. I'm going to push back a little bit on one of the things you talked about, Mike, and Jameer Young. Um, yeah, he had a good game, and – 14 points, solid performance. But this is the type of competition that we know Jameer Young can get buckets Mm -hmm. against, right? He played at Charlotte. He was a 20-point-per-game scorer. We all know that he's going to dominate the lower-level conference. What I want to see from Young is what he does when he faces up against real athleticism, point guards that can actually check him at the – you know, at the top of the key, making sure that he can get past the point of attack and can lead the Terps, you know, and make sure that their offense is flowing right. Not that it's just, you know, he's dominating on the lower levels. But I do agree, Dante Scott, great performance. I think that when Dante Scott can play that secondary to tertiary role on offense, that's when he's his best. He's not a great creator, right? He is a good possession finisher. The NBA looks for that all the time, right? Big guys who can shoot. You're finishing possessions with buckets. Guys got to be able to create. You have to be able to score off of them. So I liked what I saw from Scott definitely on Monday. And then just another guard um, going off the guard play, Don Carey. We got to hope that he is a little more efficient going forward. Yeah, especially uh, if you're a Terps fan, you got to hope for that. Right. Um, Maryland did finish the game um, shooting 45% from three, but his one for six from three is not something that the Terps want to see in the starting lineup going forward this year. Yeah, I, I mean, we can talk about the, the next part of their schedule coming up, but um, I think this team is going to go as far as Julian Reese goes. It's a good take. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it's it's a hot one, but he really is their only big man that has any, and that's type, exactly of, why I say that. any type of real tangible experience. So you got to hope that he puts in a great 
great season because if you're you know if you're Willard, you don't really have any depth behind him. Yeah. So coming up, uh, Maryland has two more home games. Uh, they got uh, they got Binghamton uh, on Tuesday. Uh, once again, sh- home game against a pretty low-level opponent should be an easy win for them. And then in the 2023 Basketball Hall of Fame tip-off, uh, Maryland face off against St. Louis and then either Miami or Providence. Um, I think that Maryland will be able to take care of St. Louis and then they'll face their toughest test uh, either against Miami or Providence. Yeah, I, I would push back a little bit on the, the idea that St. Louis is an easy win for Maryland. I, they're usually a very solid program coming um, – from that area and and they're always competitive in terms of those type of games you know you see them they're always in it in the a10 so i think that that'll be a really interesting game to watch and then that next game if it'll Mar- be a telltale sign that's for sure yeah if maryland gets providence i would take maryland to win that providence is the most lucky team in the entire country last the last week they won a game against a, i can't remember the team they played but it was a low-level opponent where they they were up 69-68 and a guy dribbled down the floor and literally slipped. They won the most um, one possession games in the country last year. So I would take Maryland to win that. That does game. say something. I, they know how to win a close game. Yeah, but Maryland also, in the past does not know how to do that. It's true, but I think a lot of that is variance based in sure. my opinion. So I would take Maryland. Miami on the other hand, Isaiah Wong's a bucket. Um, so I would look at uh, not to get too far ahead. But yeah, those are some right. key games for Maryland. Yeah, St. Louis. They were in the NIT last year. They finished the season twenty three and twelve. And then you got to circle down December 2nd when Illinois and the Illini come down to College Park. That's going to be their first real, real big opponent. Um, and then, of course, UCLA later on in December. Yeah, team that won't be um, uh, waiting to face a big-time opponent is the women's basketball team. This Friday, so tomorrow on the day we were recording, they play an absolutely massive game at Xfinity Center. They get South Carolina, Dawn Staley, Aaliyah Boston coming to town in a huge matchup, number one versus number 17. Brendan, what do we think about this one? I think it's a big game. But. (laughs) True. Let me go back. I know it's a big game. But really, because it's only the second game of the season, it's not. Season defining. It's not season defining. And because of that, it allows for, you know, a lot of the new transfers, a lot of the freshmen, to get experience playing against the best, frankly, the best team in the country. And that's going to take you a long way. So I think. For Maryland fans, you can look at this game and say, if we win, incredible. That's huge. That changes the expectations for the season immensely. But if they don't win, there's a lot of positive to take away from it. And I think if you can keep South Carolina in a close game, as they have in some of the games in the past in the series, it's a good sign. They only lost by seven last year on the road. So, I mean, that is a, that is something to watch for. I do feel like if they win, they will have this momentum going for them. The rest I mean, of the that is a great way. I mean, I don't know if you guys are scoreboard watching um, women's college basketball, but Tennessee defeated by Ohio State. Yeah. Um, in their first game of the season, the Buckeyes are going to be riding off that for the rest of their season. Now that is a great way to start the season. So if Maryland basketball can start like that, it's perfect. On the other hand, though, if you get your biggest win of the season, the second game does a lot. It, it really tampers morale because right. if you know what that's your that's your championship. Uh, that's your March Madness final. It's that's hard. True. Well, that's not their championship. They're playing for the championship. Abs- absolutely. <laughs> but, it, you know, you start losing some games in the middle, it's going to be hard to mm-hmm. bring morale back up from, you know, what really will probably – I mean, beating South Carolina is right. the biggest game of their season we, as of now. But they, they do have faced a lot of other tough opponents, so it's hard yeah, to say. Yeah, guys, I think it's a massive oversight by us, though. We haven't even gotten to the biggest storyline of the game, and that's Diamond, Diamond Miller. Diamond yeah. Miller's health. Um, coming into today, I went to the open practice – um, team spokesperson says she's officially questionable for tomorrow. She was seen shooting around. Now, this is not this is not me, Big J Journalism, reporting. In fact, this is just my opinion. I would think she probably doesn't go tomorrow because second game of the season, she, you know, you don't want to re-aggravate something. She has the same type of injury on a different leg. You really don't want to mess around with that. I can see, you know... Um, them sitting her mostly as precautionary but this is also the type of game where it's like it's nationally televised <laughs> diamond miller does have those like WNBA aspirations she's going to be pushing to go so i really a lot of times questionable really means like oh they're probably going to play i really see this as 50 50 in my opinion did you feel the team perform differently once she exited the game yeah so when i was at george mason on um I saw this guy's doing it all <laughs> on, on Monday. Where wasn't he? I saw you know a team that really started um, when Miller went out right away. You saw the emotional sap. I was right behind the bench, and you could hear players being like, "What the heck just happened? Like, is she okay? Like, there was a very clear sign of like 
concern for their team leader, right? Miller's very vocal. She's a leader on that team, probably the number one leader. But then they really started, especially in once they came out of halftime, they really started to put it together. Lav Briggs started to get going. She scored her first point in Maryland uniform. And Abby, and Abby Myers was so, I mean, she was she is such a good shooter. It, it really is crazy to me. Five of six from three. And the last one she took, she was five of five. She was just completely off oh, balance. Yeah. <laughs> Threw up a corner three. I asked her about it in the post game. She laughed, in matter of fact. Um, appreciate it, Abby. But that's something that I think I'll notice um, or I'll be paying attention to is if Miller can't go, Cheyenne Sellers put it today as, um, you know, they asked her what would happen if Diamond can't go, and she said, we're just going to rock out as usual. Now, that's one thing to say. <laughs> what does that mean? I want to see what they do. Yeah. Who is that number one option if Miller can't that's, go? It's a great question, and I don't really think they necessarily have one in terms mm-hmm. of, like, an alpha scorer. Now, what I would say is we talked a lot about this will get the transfers, you know, experience. They have transfers who have experience. Brene Alexander That's played true. in the SEC. She's played against South Carolina multiple times. Aliza Pinzon has played against Gonzaga and Stanford, both highly touted programs. And Abby Myers last year played in the tournament. So, I mean, these are transfers that all have experience. So I would expect one of them to step up. In terms of a score, you'd probably look at Myers to really take more of a load, but she's not necessarily a creator. So I would honestly look at Lavender Briggs. Mm-hmm. She's the best secondary playmaker on this team. Um, so heading into Friday, if Miller can't go, that's somebody who I would look to step up. But if Miller can't go, fellas, I know we're going to make some predictions here. It, it, I don't think it'll look good for the Terps. Yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting to see who's the uh, steps up uh, as on the court as a scorer and who steps up in the locker room being vocal. Yeah, but obviously like, she'll still be vocal, but right. it's hard. It's to hard do, to do it when you're not when you're not going. But like Brendan said, this isn't like a season to find a game either way. If they win, yeah, it'll give you momentum, like Mike said, but it's not gonna like set your season up mm-hmm. for complete success. So with that all being said, Mike, what do you think happens Friday? Ultimately, it does, like you said, questionable. If she, Diamond Miller doesn't play, which from what you said, it seems like it won't. I think the Terps will fall, but it, it'll stay close. The Terps are a talented basketball program. So you have it. You have it being close. Close, but they will fall. Okay. Brandon, what about you? Here's what I got to say. I think the first quarter is close. Maryland fans, Friday night, hyping it up. Everybody knows it's a big game. It's going to be a lot of people, I've heard. I agree. That's There's going to be – last year they had 10,000 for Baylor who came to town. Um, the, the A spokesperson expects it to be around there or maybe even more. Now the yeah. problem is it's, it's raining and it's 6 on a Friday, so people just be getting out of work, but I would expect it to be packed. Mm-hmm. I think first quarter – Maryland probably up by two going into the second quarter, and then after that, South Carolina. That was, that was specific. <laughs> no, that, well, that's me. Um, they flipped the script, and I think that Maryland loses the game. I'll give a final score. I would say Maryland 62, South Carolina 78. Oh, high scoring. Yeah, I'm going to go lower than that. I think that this one – Go for it. Um, I, this is hard for me to say um, in terms of, like, Basketball. score – Basketball scores are hard, <laughs> but I would go 72-56. The environment will keep Maryland in it for a little bit, but I think Aaliyah Boston, we didn't talk about her, but she's South Carolina's best player, probably going to be the number one draft pick in the WNBA. She also has size that Maryland just frankly doesn't have, so if they get Faith uh, Masonis in foul trouble, then it's going to be a tough task for the Terps. So um, I would say that – I think it falls out of hand in the second half for Maryland, and um, it, it, it's a it's a big win for South Carolina on the road. One thing I do think that is also like worth mentioning is Angel Reese last year played for the Terps, scored twenty points when they played against the Gamecocks. Yeah, they won't have her this yeah, year. That's a good point. So, and, and if they if don't they have Diamond Miller, 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 it's like I mean, yeah, it's, you're, might, you're be lack, a, might be a wash. You're lacking. Um, so it'll be interesting to see this Friday. Speaking of teams playing uh, ranked opponents. Uh, Women's Volleyball faces three ranked opponents in their next three upcoming matches, uh, combined 20th in the country. So that's ninth-ranked Minnesota, fifth-ranked Wisconsin, sixth-ranked Ohio State. Those are going to be really tough matches. If they can get a win, that's really good. You know, way to end the season for morale. Um, Wisconsin had a lot of off-court issues, but after that they've been pretty solid. Nothing really happened. So I think it's really unlikely Maryland wins any of those games. So 
Yeah. Yeah. We'll see what happens. We've uh, talked a lot about women's volleyball. We all know. We don't need to kind of keep this thing. Yeah. yeah. So Mike, team, team that had a another, Mike, another rough one. Mike, what happened? It wasn't the big tournament. It was the Big Ten tournament, but it wasn't the NCAA tournament. The Terps did. Don't fall. make excuses for missing Mahar squad. I want to. I'm not making hear. excuses. I'm just saying it was the Big Ten tournament. It wasn't the NCAA. Mm-hmm. You know, they fell two one in the second round uh, last Friday against Northwestern. The offense just wasn't rolling for them. They were outshot 12-4 in the first half, 21-14 the entire game. But to look on the bright side, they got the third overall seed in the tournament and will be hosting the first two rounds uh, this weekend. So say they win Friday, tomorrow, against Liberty, then they will also play another game on Sunday. Yeah. Mike, though, Liberty last year um, was the team that defeated the Terps in the Final Four. What can we say has changed this year? And and how do we, you know, as a podcast, feel about this one heading into Friday? Well, first of all, you got to talk about the transfers they brought in. Danny Van Rutselaar, former Terp of the um, Terrific Terp. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, they brought her in from Brown University. It's going to be mentioned every time, Danny. <laughs> <laughs> um, Leah Krause, a graduate transfer from Duke. She came. Then you also got B.B. Donrat and uh, Riley Donnelly. Uh, they decided to return for their fifth seasons. Hope Rose, uh, um, leading goal scorer for the Terps this season. That was her freshman year last year. When so they, they must – I mean, they must want, they want the revenge, she right? I mean, they want revenge. We talked to uh, midfielder Emma DeBerdine this week at the um, weekly press conference. She said this is a game they think about a lot, and when they saw that they'll be playing them – this Friday, they certainly got excited for that. So look for the Terps to have blood in their eyes a, against Liberty. And then I have a question, real quick. Yeah. Though. Does Danny Van Russelaar know she was a terrific Terrapin of the week? You I don't, made that. Did you tell her? <laughs> I don't. Think Frankly, she that's knows. ridiculous. So, <laughs> someone should add her on Twitter. But speaking of Twitter revenge, verified actually. <laughs> speaking of revenge, if they win that game against Liberty. Princeton, first last right. season. So, I mean, this is a revenge mm-hmm. tour. So they could play against Princeton. Princeton-Syracuse is the second game going on this weekend in College Park. But Syracuse also could win that game. Syracuse They're could strong. also win, too. But, I mean, if they play against two teams that defeated them, doesn't, be... doesn't that doesn't that sound like a great storyline? It's got to fire them up a little doesn't bit. That's got to be a feature article. That's a good article. It sounds <laughs> great. It just sounds great. And it rolls I'm so off the excited. tongue. <laughs> yeah. Playoff field hockey in College Park this week. Uh, it'll be really exciting. I'll be there. Another exciting thing that uh, it's been going on is – Folks. Whoa, the mat. The mat has off to a hot start for the Head coach Alex Clemson. <laughs> <laughs> yep. 3-0 and start. That's really all we got to say. Strong. Uh, but Clemson said like in the press conference, he was like, yeah, we're not that good, which I thought was a little surprising. <laughs> <laughs> he did Clemson say that. Clemson just coming at heads <laughs> at the program. He said, but I, very stern message. He was like, we're not that good. But Fellas, we're going to face competition, and we'll see how good we are Fellas, next week. you might have started 3-0 for the first time in program history. <laughs> he wants them locked in. But I respect you him. are terrible, so figure it out. I, but I respect that message yeah, out same. of him, keeping them locked in. Just hilarious, though, to think that after your first <laughs> start is 3-0, you're, oh, yeah, we did great. No, no, you guys all suck. <laughs> that is definitely a way to motivate your team. It I'll is. I mean, sometimes, sometimes being a villain can get it done. And you know who probably also said their team sucked was Coach Sasha. Cause let no, me tell I don't you. think so. I don't think so. <laughs> let me tell you something about the Terps this week. Brendan was on site at Ludwig Field, and frankly, he was. There was uh, a lot to be said about I'll, that. I'll push back. I don't think he would have said that oh. they suck. Um, shots didn't go their way in both games, right? Northwestern, many chances. They squeaked out a win, one zero. Missing two penalties, you could just see it on Gross. the players' faces. Just sad. I think I can make a penalty. I don't think is you that. Could. No, no, that's a good podcast question. If we we gotta each, get Cat. We'll save for Cat. No, 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 no. If we each got ten shots at a penalty. With a NCA goalkeeper. In I there. thought you were gonna say we're in the goal. <laughs> no, 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 no. Then it's ten for ten. How many goals do you think each of you are scoring? Rapid fire, Mike. Two, four, six. Cavett. Uh, Cavett probably eight. Cavett. Cavett. Cavett's not seven. Cavett's seven. I'll change mine to five. I'm going five. I mean, up until that point, Malcolm Johnson hadn't missed one the whole season. Um, then Ballin missed. He actually looked pretty bad uh, last night as well. Just coming off the pitch each time, like a little bit Bulma? deflated. Yeah, Ballin he looked freezing. Really he looked cold. It was Colin Griffith, who was wearing gloves. Maybe that was the difference. Wearing gloves, didn't look that cold, played a stellar game. Nice. Providing chances, as usual, he scored against Northwestern. He scored against scored uh, Indiana last very, night. Uh, if any of you That's true. Play, I agree. Yeah. I don't. Frankly, it's unclear if he touched it. But, uh, <laughs> moving on, they were ranked sixth going into the match against Indiana. I would say they'll probably drop three, two, three spots in the NCAA tournament. I mean, still very strong resume. Big Ten yeah. champs, right? The nine seed would be unfortunate because it means they only get one home game. 
Oh, that's it. interesting. And then they have to go play the eight seed away, and then they have to go play the one seed if they went. But this is obviously in the future. Right. Bracket comes out Sunday, so we'll see after that. But, you know, Maryland's chances of getting a higher seed, I think if they win the Big Ten tournament, a top five seed, yeah, you know, yeah, you're, yeah. you're getting a top four seed. You're getting, you know, a couple uh, home games. Like the field hockey team. So it's going to make it harder. There'll be one game at Ludwig. A little bit of a send-off there for the seniors. but So if they're an eight seed. They're an eight seed. They, they can get, host two games. They get two games. So they play the what? They play Who do they play first? What seed would it be? I don't know what seed it would be, but it's the, it's like a winner or a playing game. So an eight and nine oh, get a okay, bye. Got you, got you. Um, and then so, they and then they and play then the eight and nine would play, play if the eight. Okay. I mean, obviously, if, if they win, obviously, yeah. right? If the favorites win, win yes. we're going off that. Yes, they would right. play the nine seed at Ludwig. Yes, and then they would get the one seed, correct? So if they, they won. So there's a playing game. Uh, if Maryland wins, Maryland beats the winner of the playing game. Mm-hmm. Uh, then they'd face the winner of the eight seed match. So if Maryland's the eight seed, they could get two games at home at Ludwig. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, it c- could possibly get two home games but we'll have to see how the bracket faces yeah, up. it's all hypothetical right and so i mean it'll be it'll be really but interesting. i would be shocked if they don't host at least one home game okay so yeah i mean you can't expect to fall that far if you're maryland i mean they they had a tough loss but you still are big 10 champs and and that usually le- leads to a, a higher ranking um talk about rankings let's hear a mike michael house give it to us Right, so I am still on top of the leaderboard at Boo. seven five. Is someone fact checking this guy? Yeah, I, frankly, this could be voting. <laughs> this could be voting tampering. I mean, whoa, uh, not this wow. comment. Hey, we don't too talk. Too soon. Too soon. Stick, stick, stick yeah, to sports. Sports. Call sports. Let's All go. Right. False. I actually am very much into politics. But <laughs> we won't let my views be known on this pod. Keep going, well, Mike. Speaking of college football, Herschel Walker. All right, I'm done. Oh, oh, I'm done. Count them all. Count I'm every done. single I'm vote. I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. Next up behind me is Cavett. He is 6-5-1. What an ultimate turnaround for him after starting the season 0-2-1. He should get minus for not being here this week. <laughs> <laughs> he did submit picks, so we'll hear those. And then uh, Brendan and Going Sam Going off vibes, man. Um, Cut of Six and six. So, um. I'm Brandon, we're, we're, we're average. <laughs> you know what? 500 players. I'll take it. I'll take yeah, it. Yeah, you know. So I might give it to us for this right, week. Let's hear so I'll start it off for us this week. Uh, first pick I'm going to take is Ole Miss plus 11.5 versus Alabama. Nice. I have the opposite. Once again, I'm going to bet against. on Bama this year. I mean, it's been working for me. It worked uh, against Tennessee. It worked against LSU last week. You just can't trust Alabama, especially on the road this season. After that, I'm going to take TCU plus 7.5 versus Texas. I, I hope I'm missing something. I don't understand why TCU is the dog by a touchdown in this game. Because they suck. They're fourth in the country. They have one of the best offenses in college football, averaging 43 points a They're game. overrated. Yeah, it's played at Texas. But if that's the only reason for the Longhorns to be favored by a touchdown, it just seems like too much. And then lastly, I'm going to get Washington plus 13.5 versus Ooh. Oregon. Both of Washington's losses this season were by one possession. And Michael Penix Jr. is the Heisman. Um, is in the Heisman conversation for a reason. He's thrown over 3,000 yards and has 23 touchdowns to this point so far this season. Okay. Uh, I have a lot of the same reasoning for my picks this week as many weeks, but we'll start off with Alabama minus you 11 miss. and a half uh, against Ole Miss. <laughs> Alabama, once again, coming off a loss. They, they're not going to – I don't – they're not going to let this game be close. They're going to blow them out, frankly, and I uh, we'll see what plays out, Mike. I wish they would, but they won't. <laughs> <laughs> and then next pick, uh, Utah State versus Hawaii. Hawaii plus eleven and a half. Game is being played in Hawaii. Weather report. Wow. Supposed to be, it's supposed to be very windy. I don't expect many points. Also, like they have to travel, like time change, and daylight savings this week. It's a whole mess for Utah State. Hawaii is also one of the worst football programs I've ever. <laughs> and it's watched. gonna. This is their game. This is their. Oh, game. this is the game for the. Do they bring out the rose? The 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 luau. For I don't the, know for the for Utah I, State I'm not. It's the, yeah, the game is past my bedtime. <laughs> what is that? 11 p.m. Um, let me give you some stats. Averaging 8.6 points away, uh, and giving up 34.4 points away. That's not good. That's a good program. That's not good. You know who that uh, is? 107 total points this year, 11 total touchdowns, and ready for it, six third quarter points this entire year. Because of that, once again, I'll be riding against the... UMass. Arkansas State minus 17 and a half. Arkansas State. Bang. Those are my picks. Let me tell you something. This man has a love affair with hating on UMass. It's just like funny and it's really easy it's to get like, him right. I have not got a UMass pick wrong. I'm going to stay with it's it. It's because his high school friends all go there, so he's got a clown on him for having <laughs> probably one of the worst high school or having one of the worst football programs in the country. Exactly. Not 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 if. Probably top oh. five. Yeah, Brendan, let me tell you something. When you're six and six, you can look at it two ways. You can say, Oh, yeah, we've had a good year so far. We're right in playoff contention. 
or you can say how our wrestling coach here at Maryland put it, Clemson, gotta be better. That's not good enough. <laughs> and frankly, this week is where the cream rises to the crop. The creme brulee comes out, and I become the leader of these standings. <laughs> so those are the picks that are going to get it done, and you're going to hear it, and you're going to gamble on it, and you're going to become like Elon Musk buying Twitter verification. Starting it off, Tennessee minus 20.5 versus Mizzou. Hendon Hooker is a stud of a quarterback. They might have a tough day in Athens, but we're not going to mention that because they're coming back with a fury. They're coming back Same with a passion. I had. Mizzou sucks. That journalism school's overrated. Mm. We also have Tulane minus Hard one and a feeling. half. The Golden Wave are, you know, they're going to wave goodbye to all of their haters as they take another victory. They've been playing really well. UCF, not the program they used to be. Josh Heupel, Scott Frost, both left. So I like Tulane in this one. And then lastly, I got North Texas plus six versus UAB. I'm actually going to be throwing the money line. Um, but that's not great value for this podcast. So I really like that for North Texas. The Mean Green. I mean, how can you go against a team that has a team called the Mean Green? So I like them. Plus six. And we're looking at a 3-0 and week here, fellas. This is where I become, you know, leader of the standings. And, and we really get after it. So, um, yeah. Thank you, Clemson, for your uh, inspirational message. If I may note, he said the same thing last week. He said the same exact thing last week. 3-0 uh, you know this week. Give us, give us calves. Give All right. Mike, pipe down over there. In uh, memory of Cavett, he, 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 he is alive. Yeah, this is he's not a, he's not dead. Don't Oops. worry, he will be back hopefully. <laughs> we'll see. The Tigers minus three and a half versus the Arkansas. That's not what he said. He's facts. Yeah, <laughs> going off vibes this week. I got UCF plus one and a half versus two eight. Sam, your pick is wrong. I'm actually <laughs> riding with the Knights because that's the pick that needs to be made. Off vibes only. <laughs> we saw his picks in here so early. We should have just, we should have just all like each one it. of us taken an opposite pick of him. Brendan, give us the third pick. And we got the running down. Is it even a home game? I have no idea. Clemson minus seven versus Louisiana. It's Louisville. an away game, but Dabo, <laughs> it's an away game. Dabo, Sweeney, and them are going off vibes just like me. That was all of us impersonating let's, our good friend Kevin. All right, Island. let's keep the energy let's up. Keep the music let's keep going. the music up. Give me terrific, terrific, Let's go. Shut off the music. Yeah, so keeping up the energy this week is we're actually going to throw it back a little bit to when gambling was uh, very much legal, actually. Maryland's first win over Penn State actually came in 1961 when they were led by quarterback Dick Shiner and wide receiver Gary Collins. So that's a very interesting combo. Brendan, tell us a little bit about it. Yeah, Maryland has only had two wins since that win, but this week's Terrific Terrapin, Dick Shiner, led him to the win. Uh, He was all ACC in 1962 and 1963, way back Seventh round draft pick uh, in the NFL, bounced around the NFL for a while, um, played on six teams. Just to give you an idea of how his career went, uh, he was the first person ever to post a perfect passer rating in the NFL. Holy cow! Before it was he, you know, he played the he years that started tracking. Played when uh, their helmets were soft. And then, <laughs> and then later that year, he was the first to record a zero point zero passer rating. So he kind of had a very up and down career, reflected by that stat. <laughs> After football, uh, he worked in the beer distribution and uh, copier business, but. What an interesting guy. What a, what a terrific terrapin. Let's give it up for Dick Shiner. Whoa. Just to finish off the program, I have a little special thing that um, happened last week right after we finished recording. Friend of the program, James Gist, signed to a team in Turkey in the Basketball Champions Woo! League Gist! to continue his career. Uh, he's 36 years old and will be entering his 14th buckets, year overseas. Baby. So congrats to Mr. Gist and good luck Friend of the pod, season. James Gist. And, folks, that will do it again for another edition of Under the Shell. And, frankly, folks, I want all of you to have a happy, happy Halloween. Enjoy your weekend, guys.